and welcome to our first podcast. I'm Martha Russell. I'm Rianne Hartman. I'm Betty Tate. And with us today, we have our very first guest, Dawn Tisdale, and I'm going to let Dawn introduce herself. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for inviting me today. Um, I am currently uh, coming from Vancouver, so uh, the lands of the Squamish people, Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Stolo Nations. Um, and I grew up on Mohawk territory and just a little bit about my ancestry. Um, I'm of mixed European and Indigenous ancestry. So on my father's side, Ukrainian, on my mother's Irish and French. And my grandmother was born in Bad River and is of Mi'kmaq ancestry. And from around the area of Pabino Nation, uh, colonially known as New Brunswick. And I am a senior professional practice lead at uh, Women's and Children's. I just started that position, um, primarily uh, looking at um, Indigenous cultural safety policy and anti-racism policies within the organization. And uh, prior to that, uh, worked for PHSA Indigenous Health Corporate, again, setting um uh, anti-racism policies for the health authority for the province and also worked with the Sonia's team which um, administers the indigenous cultural safety training for BC but also now um, many parts of Canada which is exciting and prior to that <clears throat> um, I've done some work with uh, provincial associations national associations and um, also uh, started off in medicine and palliative care at St. Joe's in the Comox Valley. <laughs> Great. I think we should say that actually we're doing this podcast on the traditional unceded stolen territory of the Comox First Nation and um, that we're very thankful for their stewardship of this land. Mm. That's great. So Dawn, I think we're going to start with some questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I can start, I guess. So, Don, we just want to know a little bit more about you. Can you tell us your story? What brought you into nursing? And um, where nursing, we've told us where nursing has taken you. So just a little bit of that background of how you got there. Sure, thanks. Um, I never thought that I'd go into nursing. Um, didn't come from a family with any kind of a healthcare background at all and really didn't know a lot about it. Um, but I lived in the valley and uh, I was working uh, in group homes with adults with disabilities. And I really loved um, that work so much. It was wonderful being a community support worker. Um, but with changes in the government, they had actually um, shut down a lot of the um, group homes at the time and were moving into privatized care. And um, I was feeling a little lost, didn't know what to do. And luckily, one of my friends had... Um, a nurse sister-in-law and said you know please go out for um brunch with her and and chat with her about nursing like I, I i'm telling you you are a nurse through and through you just don't know it and i was like i beg to differ like i don't know what <laughs> archaic I, I i had some really interesting views about nursing which i do think is important to recognize because it really talks about you know what um those that are not within the nursing community how we you know view nursing in um some not so great ways um 
and then yeah I was so lucky um and I've just feel so grateful that I got to I got accepted at NIC it was the only degree program at the time too that North Island College offered so that was really a prompt because I was really thinking about going into engineering um but so um did nursing after that fantastic talk with um this wonderful I don't remember her name which is too bad but she was a peds nurse it was so fantastic I was like yeah I think I think that does sound appealing and day one like intro at NIC and I was like I am exactly where I need to be and was so excited and really um I think a lot of the lens that North Island College too, like right from the get-go really promoted, which was, um, you know, social determinants of health, um, social justice, and what's nursing's role in, you know, um, community and societal health and what that means, and then how... um, the determinants of health really impact right health like I had just had no concept about any of that and just when all of those connections were being made I just it just appealed to it was just every part of me that I didn't know and couldn't make the connections was made for me and I was so um yeah drank the kool-aid a hundred percent was like this is it um and actually interestingly I remember um one of the forums that was held I'm trying, I can't remember again who we, you all had so many tremendous guest speakers come in, but there was one that was particularly looking at like nursing policy. And I remember saying to um, Betty who was hosting, um, cause there's such a, such a drive, right. Um, for new grads to really focus on med surge, which I really value, I think is, is really important. And I understand, you know, that, that applied science piece. Um, but, for for myself and I really loved working bedside but I always knew um that I had a lens and a a real passion for addressing systems issues and even when I was um nursing you know I was always getting caught up bumping like against like well why but why are we doing it this way and there has to be a better way and you know this is not a fulsome way to view health and it just felt very band-aid um and it that part really hurt a lot of the time just for and I think that's relatable to a lot of nurses anyway I digress. Um, <laughs> when we were in that talk, digression is good. Um, <laughs> um, it just became really clear that the possibility to move into different domains of nursing mm-hmm. was a possibility. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying that to you and thanking you for the talk and saying, like, I, I, I know where I need to go. And, re- and I didn't know how to get there. And I didn't know what that would look like. But I just, um, yeah, with I just have goosebumps, like with every fiber of my being, I know, like, it was almost like permission, like, oh, yeah, I can do the kind of nursing that I want to do. So that was really exciting. And Don, I'm just going to say, I remember the very first day that you were in the program and you put your hand up and said so to do a master's (laughs) that sounds on brand (laughs) and also by third year you were the president of the Canadian Nursing Student Association in our fine country and leader for 33,000 nurses and that was amazing that was that was another just tremendous experience um and I really credit again and I see all the way and this isn't just like flattery because because I've I've seen and and being in that position I got to see how different schools picked up um again those different domains of nursing and it's it's everybody you know how 
works under obviously Kazan and in you know the specifics but um how it's taken up looks really different we were doing Kane at the time and um I don't know if it's still Kane anyway um but it was just uh the curriculum was so broad in scope. And I remember even like we had a global health um, class, which so many of my nursing colleagues across the country, like were just desperate to have even that brought up within a class, let alone have an entire class dedicated to it. So I really credit my ability, I think to move into policy so quickly too, was the background and support that I had. And the fact that, you know, I got to sit on the Canadian Nurses Association as a voting board member in my third year of nursing school. That's bananas, right? Like, <laughs> and but that I had the support, right? Like I was going to Ottawa like every, you know, couple months to it was just wild. And I learned so much and I made so many connections and it was those connections right like I was working in medicine and it was it was um Joy Peacock who was the CEO at the time for ARNBC at the time wow there's a lot of at the times um (laughs) (laughs) a lot of changes in the province that um called to um ask if I wanted to support um indigenous health policy within the province and student supports like in no other planet or world where would I have ever had like access and connections it was just so tremendous and um i again i've seen the differences with other universities where they don't get that same support and you all were just like just always were just like go and i'd be like really are we sure we're doing this and (laughs) just always had my back and always pushed me it was tremendous so i'm gonna move us my memory of you at the end of your program and it's hopefully going to move us into the work you're doing now. But I remember we were doing a debrief of um, the program, what could be done differently. And Dawn was in the back row, and uh, which wasn't where you usually were. But anyway, <laughs> and you put your hand up and in your very gentle way said, Betty, I'm just wondering, um, you all, we know we learn things about um, the experience of Indigenous people and talk about indigenizing the curriculum here. That was the word we were using then. And I'm just wondering if you think that that's actually been put into practice in the nursing program. And I thought, wow, good question. And I think mm. I said to you, baby steps, Dawn, we've made, but no, I don't. Mm. <laughs> and you said, thank you. Mm. <laughs> so uh, my memory is you leaving the program thinking as much as you loved it, because I knew that you did, mm-hmm. you were willing to ask those hard questions and I'm guessing that that's continued in your career mm-hmm. because you have a wonderful way of doing that oh so, thank you yeah so can we sort of move into um we wanted to talk a little bit about um your work um anti-racist work and and um, indigenous and so we thought for the listeners we just do a little overview of what you think the um calls to action are in the truth and for truth and reconciliation specifically for nursing yeah Mm. um yeah it's been an interesting journey we're coming up on six seven years post trc and that was had just come out when when i was um in nursing school and 
And it is like I look back on the curriculum and I think, again, NIC was so cutting edge and doing really important work, as you say, to decolonize curriculum and, and ways of being, ways of knowing. And really, um, what that was instrumental in connecting with my own indigeneity, right? I um, um, had a lot of personal... Um, yeah, I just had a lot of personal stuff to work through related to my own family's history. And, you know, my grandmother was born on reserve um, and then um, at a very young age um, was taken to um, be a maid uh, for a prominent doctor, a white family in um, in Montreal. And there was no conversation about our indigeneity growing up. And it only came out a few years later after one of my cousins had done some research. And um, I, you know, grew up in very white Irish settler society and um, often, you know, um, just because of my complexion and, and darkness, like I would um, often get asked if I was indigenous or asked for my status card. And um, I felt so um, just actually a lot of shame and it's hard to articulate what that was about. And, you know, I think also growing up in Montreal and, and um, um, I actually grew up uh, near Oka during the Oka crisis too. There was just such stigmatization related to indigenous people. And, and I see and work and because there was uh, Dr. Evelyn Voyager, who was our, our resident elder, like I had that opportunity to have some of those really hard reflective conversations that I just had no safe spaces or anybody really um, to talk about. And I think, you know, there's many uh mixed indigenous people like myself who um, didn't grow up connected to culture and and didn't even have a venue for us to be able to ask about it right like my mother my grandmother passed when she was very young and my mother didn't know anything either and so to have um, nurturing faculty that uh, and because we were exploring, we uh, like reflective practice is such a big part again of our curriculum I was really able to um, you know, get in touch with myself and, you know, what, what, um, some of my own shame was about and where that was coming from. And, um, and Dr. Evelyn Voyager was just so tremendous in supporting me in that, in that journey as well. So, um, I, I guess, sorry, and I went off on a tangent, but it's, 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 it's an important part of the, the story because I also didn't realize the impacts of, um, colonization not only on my own personal family which again then I was able to work through that so much like all my shame um and and issues and 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 feeling sadness and grief for not being connected to my culture you know I really had permission with so much of of the love and support that I got um through elders and faculty at NIC to say well but that that is the impact of colonization that's that's what that's about um and then recognize um just the stark inequities right related to indigenous people's health um and again nic was so great in the curriculum and and in the way that it was taught was really um disrupting that idea that it's indigenous people that have the health issues right um, which I think is still pervasive. We're still, you know, six years again post TRC, and twenty years post RCAP, um, RCAP uh, the Royal um, Commission on yeah, Aboriginal Peoples, um, which had, 
you know, a tremendous amount of calls to action related to Indigenous people's health at nursing and and um, every um, domain of healthcare really didn't pick up in a significant way. And, you know, the TRC and um, the report for missing and murdered Indigenous women in plain sight report that's just recently come out. These are all just, I mean, really pointing to um, the same systemic issues, which is the impacts of colonization on Indigenous people's health. And I always try to um, remind everybody um, that Indigenous people prying, prior to contact had um, the highest points of health, you know, um, worldwide, where, you know, in Europe, people were had the life expectancy to 30. Many, many Indigenous people were living to their centennial year, right? Um, so when we're looking at what health means and that paradigm and a medical model and a Western way of knowing, you know, there's, there's a really... Um, clinical lens and um i think that's a disservice and also a part of the superiority that that exists within within the canadian culture that um that our medicine that medicine is is superior to all like a holistic look of health which just truly is not the case so um i think the calls to action from the trc you know we have really only one really where we're named where nursing is named um and that's um asking I mean, and when i say named i mean we're named in every single one because again mm -hmm. we've, we've talked about how nursing <laughs> is impacted by everything but I, I think that's one of our issues is and and not just nursing but i mean for the sake of it that's who we're talking to and that's what we're talking about so we'll 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 lovingly and supportively call nursing out right that uh, often people only look at, at the call to action where nursing literally is it's named, right? Explicit. Where that explicitly mm -hmm. said, um, and that's for nursing education um, to really increase their understanding of um, anti-racism, Indigenous people's health, decolonizing practice, and also treaty, um, um, uh, our... our, our our relationships to treaty and, and territory and that I really have not seen yet mm -hmm. um, and I think again it's it's a it's it's the era that we're in there's such a, a huge amount of um, relearning that needs to happen on behalf of, of all of us that grew up in in a in a colonized um, education system mm -hmm. And that's going to take a lot of work. And again, Evelyn was a person that, that was so supportive to me. I remember crying in her office, just feeling so defeated and frustrated. And, um, you know, in her gracious um, way that she does, you know, she just held so much space for me. But to say, you know, like, it's it's going to take time. But also, we've come so far, right? And, and um, we need... To, we can't you know rest on our laurels we have so much you know very um quick work that needs to happen at a much faster rate that it is happening um but to also recognize that that we're, we are moving in the right direction and a lot of people are coming from really great places to um move forward um, these different calls to actions in a more significant way but it, unfortunately you know i think the most um movement I've seen in the past few years has really been post um, uh, in plain sight report which is unfortunate right that it had to be you know after the death of Joyce Ashaquan who filmed herself um, yeah. 
uh, as she was dying, as nurses were, you know, and and uh, healthcare providers were saying, you know, racist slurs to her. She was having an allergic reaction to the medication. No one believed her, and she ended up passing. Right, and that in conjunction with some of the very serious um, racist allegations that were made in British Columbia, um, that um, that that really was the the tipping point for a lot more backing when we look at anti-racism policies within healthcare, but also um, resources, right? Because how it's it's fine to you know, and obviously I work in policy, so I'm not poo-pooing policy or anything, but um, you know, fine, great, we've got an anti-racism policy, that's all fine and well, but realistically, how are we? What's that knowledge translation into practice, right? How what does that actually look like? And nobody really knows, and we have to do better at figuring out what that looks. Like like and collectively recognizing it's everybody's work particularly um, those in settler society it's not indigenous people that have again disrupting that narrative and idea that it's indigenous people that have the health issues we have the health problem within our healthcare system that needs radical changes to improve well put yeah very well yeah. put lots to think about you want me to carry on? Yeah. Um, so just another segue then. Can you give us a couple of examples of decolonizing practices where you're working? That I think people, I think it's true, you know, policy is useless without practice. And, but often we don't know how to put it into practice when mm -hmm. we read a policy. So I'm just wondering if you can give us a couple of examples where there has been um, an anti-racist policy put into practice in, mm -hmm. in healthcare where you're working. Yeah, so the different health authorities, I mean, we're kind of unique in BC, not unique in BC, but we do have um, different health authorities as opposed to one health authority, which which some other, a lot of other provinces operate that way. Um, and so we do have the provincial health authority that oversees um, a lot of the um, cultural safety, indigenous health policy work provincially, but um, really each um, health authority is, is doing their own thing. And I think that's one of the critiques that I would have for a lot of the work when we're looking at cultural safety is, you know, again, in a, if, if we're going to do anything within a medical model, evidence-based practice is uh, one way to go. And I'm always fascinated that when we're looking at anti-racism, implementation, measurement, quality improvement. Um, it's a lot of, you know, fly by the seat of our pants, may make it up as we go. And, you know, the UN has declared many years in a row now that racism is one of the number one killers we face globally. And this is not an area where we should not be backing it up with you know hard data good science how how are we measuring when we're doing cultural safety implementation how do we know and we know from the in plain sight report that um we're failing right now drastically like that's and, and i don't mean to be so harsh with the report card but we have to have you know real conversations and i think um i love what um uh, 
Dr. Uh, sorry, uh, Senator Marie Sinclair says about education, which is, you know, education is what got us into this and it's education that's going to get us out. And education isn't everything. And I do think we over rely on education. However, it is the foundation, right? So how do we, and how do we ensure that that education is, is impactful and making a difference? So, um, and then in, in a system where I think, you know, nurses and all healthcare providers, especially within the pandemic, are so stretched. We know, again, from the research, any kind of biases or stereotypes or prejudice are going to be more prevalent when people are Exhausted. stretched. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Paper thin, right? Mm-hmm. So we it's one of the important um things that we, I think we have to do when we look at racism and anti-Indigenous racism is how systemically it manifests. And I think that's one of the educational pieces that we need to lean into is that, you know, yes, individual uh, racism is, is, um, is, is, happens, it's real, but a lot of healthcare providers um, come to work with the absolute best intentions and you can work within this system and not you know have interpersonal racism and not do acts of racism and still be complicit within a bigger system that has gross inequities particularly when when we're talking about indigenous people um even like in nursing school as as tremendous as our curriculum was you know i didn't even understand fully at the time you know that Indigenous people have a completely different system, like status Indians have a completely different system and access to healthcare from yeah. a federal um, mandated um, healthcare system versus provincial. And how does that impact? And, you know, we look at Jordan's um, principle and how this is still. Um, again, we're in gross violations um, within Canada. There's, we're still going to court over children, mm-hmm. having what every other Canadian takes for granted, right? Yeah. Um, so there's, and, and who is contributing and looking at and working on those systems change? And this is where I get really excited about nursing. We are the biggest health profession, provincially, 60,000 nationally globally i think i think i just read it was at 19 million i think the most recent one it was like 25 anyway huge numbers and impact if anybody is going to make a significant change within the system it's us and we have a history of being radical badasses yeah. that make these changes so so like that's my call to nursing like how are we um great like we've got all of these policy pieces that give us very clear direction either as we've said explicitly within a certain number or you know really all of them they're all calls to health all of them and nursing is at that um that that exact point intersection thank you intersection within the healthcare system to really change the tides and that number is a strong voice yes strong voice we can do a lot Mm. we can do everything we do do everything (laughs) (laughs) and we have great interdisciplinary partners that we do wonderful work (laughs) so it looks like uh, yeah I think that's a great way to wrap up. It's a perfect it is. call to action for nursing. And I think, again, uh, sitting here in awe. <laughs> mm-hmm, definitely. definitely. Right? Mm-hmm. So, Dawn...
thank you all for yes fantastic hosting me and having these important conversations and we have a couple of just so we can get to know you a little bit um uh, uh, apart from your policy side just some fun (laughs) so you go into a bookstore what's the section you're drawn to Oh, um, right now, just really trying to um, do lots of, again, un- relearning, right? Canadian history. So reading a lot of really great Indigenous authors. Right now, I'm reading Braiding Sweetgrass. If you have not read it, run to a bookstore. It is my Christmas gift for the next five years, I guess, <laughs> to everyone. It's fantastic. Excellent. And favorite movie? Anna Green Gables. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am a huge Anna Green Gables fan. Love, love her. This is Mama Montgomery. That's excellent. Thanks so much for joining us, and we're so so happy to have you as our first guest. Yes, well, thank you so much. Thank you, John. Thank you. So lovely. And I want to say, you go. <laughs> <laughs> You've always said that. I love you. That's why. <laughs> Keep it up. Thank you. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Don.